Since the beginning of the church, persecution has been part of the Christian experience. In fact, the Bible tells us that all who seek to live a godly life will be persecuted. Today, an estimated 360 million Christians are living under severe religious restriction. On this podcast, we share their stories. And we answer the question, how can American Christians live as Christ in an increasingly hostile culture? The way of the persecuted is the harder way. And this is the Harder Way podcast. It's the last broadcast of the year for the Harder Way podcast, and I'm still Scott. And believe it or not, I am still Maddie. No way. I am. I've been Maddie for 52 episodes now. That's crazy. Who are you going to be next year? I don't know. I'm thinking something exotic. Matilda. Matilda. That's good. And I'll be Steve. (laughs) Sounds good. Everybody calls you Steve anyway. Yeah. Um, So yes, we are here today uh, with our 52nd episode. This is our one year anniversary. So it's only going to be 50 seconds. We're already over time. No, we're almost. We're not. 50 seconds. 50 seconds. I have two ND. Oh, yes. Okay, gotcha. 50 seconds. Gotcha. Well, never mind. Don't pay attention to what we were just saying. 52th. Yeah. 52ndth. We are here with our 52nd episode, which means we've been doing this for 52 weeks, which means we've been doing this for one year. Wow. Our very first episode premiered on New Year's Eve last year. Yeah. And today, uh, th- today's is coming out December 29th. Mm-hmm. And here we are, one year later, still making this podcast in the middle of a great series where we're going through and looking at the different accounts of people in scripture and looking at how they did or didn't live the harder way and how we can apply those principles to our lives. So we haven't been in this series for very long, but we're really looking forward to continuing on with it in the new year, in our second year of podcasting. Cool. That's pretty exciting, thinking about starting our second year of the Harder Way podcast. So we are happy to be here with you all, and we are excited about A group of people who are listening to this podcast and who are ready to go into 2024 choosing to live the harder way life. Amen. Let's let's make 2024 the harder way year, right? I think 2024 is going to do that all on its own. And that's why you need to be listening to the podcast, y'all, because it's going to be it's going to be a hard year. So why not just make it a harder year? Everyone says, oh, I need to find my word for this year. Love thrive peace how about make harder your 2024 word of the year and then your backup word could be survive (laughs) you know it's funny um we're going into now just the massive political season and yeah and people uh, get very very political i just want to remind people of a couple of things number one political will politics will not be there by your bedside when you're sick Mm. They're not going to bring you soup. Not going to check if your tum tum's okay when you've been when you've uh, got some bad uh, food. It's politics is not going to give you a, a nice, warm, comforting hug on a cold day or after bad news. Mm. Um, politics is not going to show up at two o'clock and three o'clock in the morning when you're stuck on the side of the road and you need help. 
and so but politics can isolate you from the people who would exactly oh good finishing line yeah i really could and so uh as we and we're going to look at stephen here in a second and stephen was in a very politicized environment yes and it wasn't just religion it was politics going on as well and he didn't have a good end no and the the religious aspect of things being tied into the political aspect of things is really why things were so tumultuous in the early church one of the many reasons right. one of the factors that contributed to that yeah you know they talk about like uh, uh, any leader should not have uh, all of the earthly authority and all of the spiritual, spiritual authority, that um, it's just not a good combination because it, it, it's an absolute kind of power that corrupts. And in a way, the uh, Jewish leaders at that time had, they didn't have the absolute authority. Obviously they were under Herod and then they were under, then he was under, under the Caesar. Caesar yeah. uh, but nevertheless, they had a lot of political power. So a lot of worldly power and they had a lot of religious power. Yeah. So they had spiritual power, and uh, and so that was a very dangerous combination because not only could they say we disagree with you spiritually, we reject Jesus as the Messiah, we think you've uh, lost your course, but they could exercise judgment on him and carry it out politically, mm-hmm. and that's what happened. That is what happened. And, you know, one of the reasons that we chose to enter into this specific series when we did was because we knew that we would be taking this series into 2024 into an election year. And there are always so many things to talk about when it comes to politics and elections and all of these things. But we really wanted to make sure that through this year, This podcast is a place where you can go, where you know that what you're hearing is going to be rooted in scripture and where you can get real application on how to live out the harder way and get that application specifically from scripture and learn how you can walk that out in your own life. And you can apply that to any situation that you're in, including the most difficult of political situations, the most you know frustrating of political conversations, that you'll know how to avoid the entrapment of getting sucked in to all of this political nonsense. Because here's the thing, you guys, we know that God is ultimately in control. We know that God is sovereign. And so when we look at our leaders, we do know biblically that God allows certain leaders to be appointed, even if they're leaders who may not necessarily be great for a particular country, right? But we know that God is is in ultimately in control of that. And so we are all freaking out. Everybody's upset, trying to control something that they're ultimately not in control of. And that is ultimately distracting them from God's purpose and God's will in their own life. There are a lot of people who during these election seasons get completely off mission. There's a lot of churches that get completely off mission, a lot of nonprofits, a lot of individuals who spend all of their time and energy into this political stuff. Well, let's let's explore that for a minute because... You know, I you know I used to be involved in martial arts, and there were there were two kinds of people in martial arts. So the kind of people who had um, really good skill 
uh, had they did martial arts that worked. And then there were the kind of people that had really um, interesting theory and they would um, always be working on trying to form these huge calluses on their knuckles and things like that. Um, what it really was was there was there is a sense inside of them that my martial arts is missing something and so I'm going to try to develop some other peripheral thing. Mm. And uh, I think that happens in church a lot. Our churches are missing something. In fact, um, right now, uh, the most recent um, uh, studies of people who've left the church, who left post-COVID, have said the number one reason that they're, they've left is because the thing, there's, there's something missing in the churches. And that thing is, is true fellowship. They've actually said that's the thing. And if the church is offered real fellowship and then messages with, with real value... Uh, yeah. Which meaning like the Bible, from the Bible, right? Not just six ways to be a better sailor, you know. Um, then you would wind up. They would they would be really really encouraged to come back to the church. Now, my thought on that is okay. You may not be a Christian, so we may need to address that. If you can just walk away from the body of Christ and not care at all, and not care at all. But there they're, but they bring issue. up a really good point. That there's something missing. And if we're focused on those things that are important, if we're focused on abiding in Christ, uh, if we're focused on, as Paul says, encouraging uh, one another on towards love and good deeds, uh, if we're focused on being the hands and feet of Jesus, if we're focused on being the ambassadors of Jesus and, uh, and on our, and on our uh, evangel uh, evangelistic mission, the Missio Dei, if we're, if we're focused on that, we're not going to have the time or the energy to get distracted with, nor are we going to have the vacuous hole in our faith that needs to be filled with something yeah. else. So this temptation to get all political or to get really involved in things that the world, uh, the way the world is doing things is going to be uh, mitigated. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think the more that we root ourselves in scripture, the more that we can keep and prevent that sort of thing from happening. And I think that's something that we see in the life of Stephen, who, as you mentioned earlier, is who we are going to look at in today's episode. You know, I was was thinking about who we should talk about, and Stephen kept coming to my mind because anybody who listens to the radio or has been listening to Christmas music and you've heard the song uh, Good King Wenceslas, it mentions on the Feast of Stephen, which is December 26th, uh, in churches that follow the traditional church calendar, December 26th is the day that they honor Stephen as the first martyr, the first Christian martyr. And so I think just because I had heard that song and then it was December 26th, I was just in that mindset where I was kind of thinking about him and I had gone back and read uh, the account in scripture of what we do know about him and said, you know what? I think, I think our harder way podcast peeps would love to, uh, to get a little exploration into this. All right. So let's go into the story. So uh, for today's passage, uh, you're going to want to either pause now or pause later and go read Acts chapter six and seven. So 
go to your New Testament, slide past the Gospels, go to Acts, open up chapter 6 and chapter 7. And so the story of Stephen, the first time we see him on the scene, is when the apostles are putting together uh, a group that they called the Seven. And these were going to be really the deacons of the church, the people that were going to be focusing on uh, the tangible, practical needs. Taking care of widows and orphans. Yes. Handling the finances, yeah, mm-hmm. making sure they get distributed properly, all that kind of stuff. As the apostles essentially said uh, right there in scripture, we don't really have time to deal with all that, so we need to find need a group to be of people praying and worshiping and, and yeah. teaching. Yes, and so uh, they uh, put together this group called the Seven, and Stephen was uh, one of the first deacons appointed, a member of the Seven. We then see Stephen. Uh, performing signs and wonders. And he was out uh, preaching and and sharing the gospel and and, and working miracles and all these things. And people were not happy about it. And they started to make up lies about him. They said that he was speaking blasphemy against Moses and against God and saying bad things about them. And so Stephen was brought before the Sanhedrin to essentially, you know, answer for his crimes. And he spends essentially all of Acts chapter 7, so a large chunk of time, going through and giving a really in-depth account of the story of the people of Israel and their relationship with God and showing the different times when the people of Israel were against the prophets of God and against the people who God had his favor on and showing that the people who were God's messengers were always mistreated and were always persecuted. And he just goes through and lays all of that out. And he ends with a very scathing phrase, a very, very scathing little section here, uh, which is in Acts chapter 7, uh, verses 51 through 53. Stephen says, you stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit, as your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, we're speaking of John the Baptist here, whom you have now betrayed and murdered, you who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. Yeah, how dare he speak such truth? You know, it's it's hard when someone speaks truth to us, and that is a powerful truth because you can't historically deny anything he said. Mm-hmm. They did always persecute the prophets, and the prophets they didn't persecute were the ones that were false prophets. Exactly. Sounds a lot like now, actually. <laughs> it reminds me of when... Uh, Reminds me of when I, I had a job. I sold cars for a week. And uh, the the head of the dealership was a uh, friend's dad. And he basically told me, "If you, uh, we just want you to get your first sale, kind of like, you know, get it, under, get it under your belt. So we're going to make somebody an amazing deal um, if, if they'll buy a car from you. So you can, you can, there's different words and numbers that you, you can knock the price down this much and stuff, yeah. blah, blah, blah. All throughout the week. I'd tell him, yeah, blah, 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 the, pre- the head of the company is my dad's friend. They told me to get my first sale. The first person I sell a car to is going to get a special deal. I can get this car down this price for you. That's better than you can get it anywhere. And they would all accuse me of being a liar. 
and tell me I was, a, I, was, I was a con man and no one could be trusted. So I would turn them and a half of those people bought cars from other salesmen who charged them more money, who charged them like the full price for the car. That's wild. And they were convinced that I was a liar. They walked off thinking I was a liar. People, people, uh, it's shocking how much people are um, allergic to truth. Yes. There's probably a spiritual principle there somewhere, but. I think so. And I think that uh, these men were definitely, we would say, allergic to truth. They did not take what Stephen said well. So what they did. And they sentenced Stephen to death, death by stoning. And so we see Stephen being the first Christian martyr. He is stoned to death. And we have a couple of interesting things that are occurring uh, that lead up to his death. We see, first of all, Saul, who became Paul, was there. Uh, it's mentioned that uh, those who were going to stone him, they laid their coats at the feet of Saul. We also see that Stephen is praising God as he is being killed. He's saying, you know, I give I give myself body and spirit to the Lord. He, you know, it says the heavens are were were open to him, and in his his eyes he saw Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father. And as he was being stoned, he tells, uh, he says to God, "Please forgive these people." Very reminiscent of what we see Jesus doing on the cross when we hear Jesus saying, "Forgive them, Father; they know not what they do." And I think that's a, one of the reasons that we do look at how um, these uh, individuals recorded in Scripture follow the harder way, because the harder way is always the way of Jesus. Yes. And you see Stephen here in death um, emulating Jesus and forgiving those who were taking his physical life mm-hmm. and um, and praying and 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 trusting and hoping in the Lord and knowing I'm assuming of his where he's going to be going yes his, the 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 state of his immortal soul after that after that awful experience but it's so important that we recognize that the harder way is the way of Jesus he always chose it and that we recognize that um that's our goal as well is to be like Jesus. And so we're looking for how do I respond to those who are trying to kill me because of my faith? Bless those who persecute you, right? Forgive them. Well, no greater. I mean, that's a great blessing, forgiveness. Forgiveness. Right? And so we we have a tremendous uh, example in Stephen. And then we have Saul there standing by watching it happen. Yeah. Very, very interesting indeed, uh, as we, we know where Saul ends up. Yeah, he becomes Who Paul. becomes Paul. Writes two-thirds of the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that's an amazing story of redemption and God's desire to use anyone and everyone, right? None of us are too far gone. And that's one of my, I don't believe in New Year's resolutions, but that's one of the things I'm committing to do in this upcoming year with greater fervor and greater um, focus, I don't. I don't do it mostly because I don't think about it, but that's to pray for the Sauls of this world, mm. because knowing that any Saul can become a Paul, yes, in a moment. And so I'm I'm praying for the Xi Jinping, and I'm praying for Penal in in Cuba, and I'm praying for our politicians in America, and I'm praying for Putin, and I'm 
praying for I want to you know I'm praying for Zelensky and, and all the different leaders around the world and and then the people in our daily lives who are so seems so far gone and the the people who you would look at and say there is no way that they would ever be saved. There's no way that they would ever choose to follow Jesus. There's no way that they could ever live a God-honoring life. Well, you think that there were people who were literally present when Stephen was stoned, as Christians perhaps observing and are like, you know, in a aghast in horror of what was happening. And then they see Saul show up. I'm Paul now. I had some scales in my eyes that got knocked off. I had a meeting with Jesus. Okay, dude, sure. Yeah. And they had a hard time with him for a while. Yes. And, you know, and so so you have to think that, that the person that's becoming a Paul could be somebody who's personally mistreated you, personally harmed you, harmed someone you love. And I, I think it's a real challenge for each of us. It's going to be my challenge this year to pray even for those people who come to mind uh, who are unbelievers that they would become believers. Right. Because no nobody is too far gone. No. Nobody is outside of, of God's reach. And I think when we look at the account of Stephen, one thing that really stands out is how rooted he was in Scripture. Because you have to think about it. The amount of time that he spent going in-depth into the story of the people of Israel and their relationship with God. Right. He would not have been able to do that if he was not highly familiar with the scripture. Of course, at that time, he only had what we now call the Old Testament. Um, But the Hebrew Bible, he was very familiar with it. He was rooted in it. He knew the story and was able to bring that to mind and present that in the most difficult of times. And that's something that we can apply to our own lives, which is that the more that we saturate ourselves with scripture, the more familiar we are with God's word, the more that we're putting that in, then when we're met with incredible challenges, when we're met with persecution, when we're met with difficulties, we can very quickly bring scripture and the truths of God's word to mind. Mm that that can be our response. Our response cannot just come from our own emotions or from our flesh, but can come from Scripture. Well, you know, it says it says in Revelation that we shall overcome them by the enemy by the power of our testimony. And part of our testimony, a big part of our testimony, is not just what God has done in our lives, but what God has done in the lives of others. Yes. And so we can say, well, I know that, um, God did not deliver Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the from the fiery furnace, but He did walk through them, walk walk with them through it. Yes. And uh, you know, I, I know that God didn't uh, uh, just uh, stop Daniel from going in the lion's den, but He shut the, he shut li- the mouths, mouths of, of the lions. lions that were hungry. They were so hungry that when um, uh, when He was let out, and then the the guys that had you know tricked. Uh, had you know done a deception and got it put in there. They all got thrown in and they were devoured as they were falling to the floor. I mean, they were just ripping yeah. them apart. So obviously they were very hungry. So it was a real miracle. And so we can see, uh, you know, God taking Israel into the wilderness to, and 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 uh, uh, 
working with them and having a purpose in that, letting them go into Egypt to make for the purpose of making them into a great nation. So when I'm going through hardships, I'm going through trials, people want to kill me or mm-hmm. or stop me or attack my ministry or attack, you know, me personally or attack my family. I can know through the power of testimony that I've that I have developed by being rooted in scripture. Um, and by being in fellowship and hearing the testimonies of others, I can overcome the enemy by knowing, well, you might say this and I might feel like that, but I know what God did here. So that's what I'm going with. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that it's also really important, uh, something that people sometimes skip over. We know, of course, that Stephen has been and still is an inspiration to persecuted Christians, an inspiration to those who are facing martyrdom. He's someone that many of us look up to. And so we can say, ah, yes, you know, Stephen was stoned, but he's been able to serve as as this figurehead and his testimony has inspired millions of people. But even beyond that big picture, there was actually uh, a somewhat immediate thing that happened where God brought good out of this terrible situation. And this isn't mentioned very often, but if you go to Acts chapter 11, verses 19 through 21, it says, Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. So we see the early Christians who were initially really kind of all in one place being scattered, having this sort of little mini diaspora occurring after the martyrdom of Stephen, which resulted in a growing of the church, resulted in an increase in evangelism. Right. So let's talk about that for a minute. You have Acts 1.8 where Jesus says, and you shall be my witnesses, shall, forceful word, not will. You shall be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and into the ends of the the earth, right? Okay, so that's basically where we're at, and then the surrounding areas, and then beyond that, and then out to the rest of the world. And then everywhere. Think of it like concentric circles. Uh, like a bullseye, and when you're in the middle of the bullseye and you're working your way out, that's that's what he's saying to them, okay? And they're, like you said, they're like enjoying fellowship, you know, they're all gathered together. Acts 2.42, we had that picture of what the early church fellowship was like. It seems like it's beautiful. Even with some persecution coming, they probably felt a lot safer um, being together, and they probably felt very small in a very big world, even though thousands were coming to the church. Mm-hmm. And so... Then you have Acts 8.1, so 1.8 to 8.1, 8.1 you see, and a great persecution came on the church right after Stephen, mm-hmm. right? And then they're scattered. And so they go out, and they don't they don't get scattered and quit. They go out and get scattered and live their missionary calling as Christians, and they start sharing their they faith. evangelize. And the church grows. And can I tell you that when I was doing my doctoral research, I'm interviewing persecuted or restricted pastors, about persecution, seasons of persecution. A lot of times it comes in waves, and uh, it, it's, uh, there are seasons of persecution. Every one of them said the same thing when I asked them about it. They said, we hate persecution, 
but we also love it because we know when there's persecution, God is up to something and the church is going to get healthier and the church is going to grow. And we've seen that time and time again. You can see that very well documented throughout history. You can hear that in the stories of those who are still alive today that have experienced that in places like China, people who saw that going on in the former Soviet Union, parts of Africa, uh, in the Middle East right now, you see that happening. And so that is that is a very, uh, we'll say, factual statement to say yeah. when there's persecution, although it is intended to destroy the church, to kill the church, what it ends up doing is growing the church. And different news getting out from China, you know, that's really, it's the it's the worst time they've had. Probably Since ever. the Cultural Revolution, maybe ever. And they're saying, yeah, that the church is growing like crazy. And the and because, because once you become convinced of the truth, let's say you became the you became convinced of the truth that if you took a, a vegetable pill every day, uh, it would cure every ailment. You'd never get cancer. Your eyesight would be better. You could run faster. You know, jump higher. And all that kind of stuff, right? You'd be like, you hear better. Everything would be better. Um. And you're totally convinced of that. Well, the more people speak out against it, the the more they push against it, the more you would continue. You would be like, "Well, I gotta get, I gotta do it anyway." Yeah. Well, now you can't get it legally. That's okay. I got a source. Now you're <laughs> getting it illegally. You got the neighbor lady the who's market. like grinding up her vegetable leaves and then and then pulverizing them and sending giving them to you in little pill form. You know, um, your secret connection. Um, but you would be doing whatever it took to get that. And the people who were not really convinced of the super the super vegetable pill that did that cured everything. But just stopped they, taking it the quit. minute it became illegal. Exactly. Eh, I don't and then that. and maybe a few hard headed ones who were kind of contrarian and kind of <laughs> difficult. Maybe they'd stick it out. But then when the government or somebody in authority started really punishing, punishing them uh, for that. I noticed a little green in your teeth. Now you can't buy any food at the store. You know, it's like they really started really punishing them. Well, then those folks would drop off. And then what's left? Only the true believers. And when only the true believers are left, they become an extremely powerful force. And they become very pure because when they come together, they're like, I don't want to hear about your vacation. I, I just want to talk about how the green how the green uh, vegetable <laughs> uh, pills is, is affecting you. Yeah. Well, it's the same thing with... With our faith, but more powerful, when the church is persecuted and all those folks have run out and fled. And by the way, some of them come back. Some of them realize I made a huge mistake and they come back. But when they come back, they've counted the cost. Yeah. And they know. I This truth is so true that even that I cannot bend to your lies, no matter how much it's going to cost me. No matter how much it's going to cost me. I think a better example would be just breathing. You know that you need oxygen. And someone tries to convince you, no, you can breathe underwater without any other apparatus. You know, said, no matter. Nope, no I matter, know I need oxygen. You know you need oxygen. And no matter how hard they try to push you under, you're going to do anything you can to get free from them or to get a gasp of air here and there to keep yourself alive. With Christians, it's the same thing. We... We know we need Jesus. We know the gospel is true. We know that, that heaven awaits us. We have the testimony of, of Stephen and see how he forgave those who persecuted him. We know that the fellowship with the body of Christ is important. We know that fellowship with the word of Christ, the, the Bible, is important. 
We know that the mission of Christ is important, and we know that our lives should be oriented around Christ, and we know that faith is the only thing, and Jesus is the only thing that's going to overcome all the fear that's coming at us through all of those challenges. And so, um, <laughs> so it's really, really important for us to choose to do those things now so that when we are met with increasing restriction and persecution, we will be able to respond in the way that Stephen responded. We will be able to praise God anyway. We will be able to forgive those that are committing all sorts of atrocities against us. And for us here at the Harder Way podcast, it's our prayer that as you go into 2024, as we go into 2024, that we all would continue to choose the harder way now. And for this year, 2024, to be the harder way year. And we're so thankful to all of you who have been on this harder way journey with us for this past year. Yeah. And we are really excited uh, for another great year, another harder year. And we hope that you will all stick around with us. And uh, from all of us here to all of you out there, uh, we will wish you all a very happy new year. Thank you for listening to the Harder Way podcast. If you were encouraged by this episode, please consider sharing it with a friend or leaving us a review. To be the first to know when we publish new episodes, subscribe to the Harder Way podcast on your favorite platform. Until next time, remember the words of Christ. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven.